Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. At the start of the year, I took my church through the letter to the Galatians. Now, this letter is short, but it's full to the brim with content. So enjoy as we grapple with how big Jesus is and how he changes everything. One of my favourite films is Catch Me If You Can. It's starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. It's the Hollywood retelling of the true story of Frank Abagnale, who, before he, ever, oh, before he even turned 19, conned millions of dollars out of people by posing as a pilot, as a doctor, and as a lawyer. And he passed all of those. His primary crime was check fraud. So he took something that was real, and he faked it. He convinced others that what he had was the real deal. Now, in ways that only Hollywood can, his exploits were made to seem pretty harmless. And as with most of these types of films, you actually begin to root for him at the end. You want him to succeed. Well, we're working our way through the letters to the Galatians, as I said, and they've been duped by a counterfeit. But unlike the story of Catch Me If You Can, this isn't the story of a harmless fake. This is a tale of deadly serious fakes with eternal consequences. So if you remember last Sunday evening, we saw that Paul was writing to churches that had been planted on his missionary journeys. He'd spent time there preaching and teaching before moving on to continue with that missions trip. But something has happened, and it's resulted in Paul writing this very letter to the churches in Galatia. They'd been duped with a different gospel, actually a gospel, Paul says, that is really no gospel at all. And what Paul has taught them has been thrown away, and the fake teaching has been taken in. And this is a deadly fake that Paul needs to address. One writer has said that this section of Galatians introduced us to two types of people. It introduced us to the foolish Galatians and to the false teachers. The foolish Galatians and the false teachers. So we're going to have a look at those two groups tonight. Uh, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. So let's start with the foolish Galatians. Usually in a letter like this, Paul at this point would go on to give passionate thanks for the people he's writing to. If you have a look later at any of the other New Testament letters of Paul, you'll find that he goes on about what he is really thankful for with those churches. But here he doesn't show thanks. He does show passion though. In verse 6, have a look at that, verse 6, he immediately turns to them and says, I am astonished. Now, imagine yourself as one of these Galatians in the church. You open the mail, you see, ah, there's a letter from Paul here. You have a look at the first lines, and then you have to find someone else who's going to be happy to read it to the church. Can you imagine how awkward that situation would be? Maybe the person who's reading it is sitting next to someone who's taught these things that Paul's going to talk about. I am astonished, says Paul, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. As a child, I remember the feeling, maybe you do too, of when your parent tells you they're not angry, but they're disappointed. Do you remember that? Well, here Paul is angry and disappointed, even worse. And why is he angry? Well, he says the Galatians are deserting. 
We know that phrase. That's a present tense phrase. It's something that they're in the process of doing. It's the one, they're deserting the one who's called them to live in the grace of Christ. Now, as I say, we know what deserting means. It's a military term, isn't it? For someone who leaves their post. Someone who goes across to another side. For the Galatians, it might seem like this is a small area of teaching that they're taking on. But Paul tells them it's not deserting an area of teaching, per se. It's instead deserting God. God who calls them to live, again, present tense, ongoing, in the grace of Christ. Now in Galatians, we've seen the word grace before. This is the second time it's come up. And grace requires, grace only allows faith to be its response. You see, if you say that you accept grace, and then you try and do something in order to earn it, well, it shows that you didn't really accept the grace in the first place, doesn't it? It's like a large water container. You just add one single drop of poison to it, and the whole water is poisonous. Adding one thing to earn grace makes the whole thing deadly. And it must have seemed as if Paul had barely shut the door when the Galatians were turning elsewhere. And as Paul says this, he remember he's a Jewish man. He knows the stories of the Old Testament. These stories go in the back of his head, round and round. And it sounds familiar to a story, a story the children have learned recently in Sunday Club, actually. A story where we find the Israelites standing at the foot of Mount Sinai. They've just been rescued by grace from the lands of Egypt. And quickly, what do they do? They build a golden calf. They turn away from the one who saved them. I am astonished. And just like them, the Galatians are deserting God shortly after they've been delivered. And Paul says that they're turning to, what they're turning to may sound like a gospel. It may even be called a different or better gospel. But verse 7, what does he say? He says, it's not really a gospel at all. That's the first of many references to the word gospel in this letter. And we're going to see how that works itself out as time goes on as well. So there you go, there's the foolish Galatians. Let's turn our attention now to the false teachers. Carrying on, verse 7. Paul says, Evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I'm giving away a lot about my childhood here. This might be the reason for the last thing. If you take a bottle of Coca-Cola and you shake it around, you're going to cause problems, aren't you? I mean, a bus driver with a bus full of school children is going to be able to tell you that. That's what these people are doing. They're perverting, they're distorting the gospel of Christ, the only true gospel. You could say that they're shaking the Galatian bottle around. They're throwing the Galatian churches into confusion. Well, Paul goes as far as to say that they're trying. Do you see that? They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. You see, this isn't some accident. This isn't some wrong teaching, something they've heard and they've just accidentally taken on. No, it's an active rejection of the gospel that Paul has been preaching and trying to change it. And what do these false teachers deserve? Well, you might have thought that is very strong language. But in verse 8, Paul says, If anyone, even himself is the implication there, or even an angel, even something spectacular, 
should preach a gospel other than the gospel of Christ, the gospel he has preached to them, let them be under God's curse. Let them be under God's curse. I hope you can tell the tone, it's not a minor issue. You see, the danger to Christianity in this world is not atheism. It's not Islam. It's not even a world superpower. The danger to Christianity in this world is warped Christianity. It's a Christianity that seems so close, but yet is so far from the truth. It's striking here, actually, that Paul doesn't criticise the teachers for saying that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. Do you see that? Most likely they're in agreement on that point. They could all join together, the church in Galatia and Paul, with Jesus is Lord. Everyone could say that. And in fact, they're using the Bible to prove their teaching. But you see, they're changing the gospel in order to do it. There's many groups in the world today who do that. You might have a knock at the door and be reminded of that at some point. You see, adding to the gospel by distorting it means that these people are under God's curse. You see, getting the gospel wrong is not a minor issue. Now, it's worth pointing out that disagreeing over other things like baptism or charismatic gifts or other issues like that don't fall into this category. But you see, the moment that those issues become necessary to be saved, well, then that's another gospel. And as Paul says here, another gospel is really not a gospel at all. And subtracting from the gospel as well is an issue too. One commentator I read says this, If we fail to proclaim that there is only one name by which we can be saved, and that human beings only come to God through Jesus, well, we're doubtlessly going to give assurance of salvation to people who are heading to their final judgments. You see, nothing can be more unloving than granting false assurance to those who are perishing. It's tough words, isn't it? You see, the gospel doesn't change. As Paul says again in verse 9, this is the gospel that was already preached to the Galatians. This is the gospel. This is the same gospel that we've heard and we've been saved by. This gospel doesn't change. Same for Galatia, same for Hemel Hempstead. God freely and graciously sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for our sin. That's how we're saved. There's the gospel. And the danger to our church, the danger for Christians across the world, is a false gospel. A gospel that looks on the surface to be biblical, but underneath is deadly. It's like switching salt for sugar. It might not look different, but the results are disastrous. And it's ironic, verse 10. Paul's been accused of people-pleasing. I don't know how much you like this message we're hearing right now, how happy this is making you, but he's been accused of people-pleasing with this message. And you see, if Paul is happy, if Paul's one concern is to be a servant of God, and if that means calling people out, well, he's okay with that. God's truth is truth, and therefore it needs to be protected. The main thing needs to stay the main thing and that's still true for us today we're going to pray some things in this passage in a moment 
but this thing is still true for us today. There's only one way of salvation. There's only one way by which we can be saved. There's only one gospel. There's not another. It's the gospel of free grace. The gospel that is undeserved. The gospel that is completed by the Lord Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the only way to the Father. You come by him or you don't come at all. I think the thing that went through my head is, well, how can we inoculate ourselves from that danger? It's extreme. Well, Paul's implication in this passage seems to be, know the gospel, know the gospel. Know it in your head and know it in your heart. One thing that that film at the start reminded me, taught me, as films do, is that when a fraud squad is looking for a fake, they don't just compare other fakes. They have to know the real thing. Only then can they spot the fake. So we need to know the gospel. And we can help ourselves in that by being in a gospel preaching church. If getting the gospel is so wrong, it does matter where we go to church. You see, any church that preaches another gospel is not preaching a gospel at all. In fact, I'm going to be bold here. If they're not preaching the gospel, well, they're not really a church, are they? I implore you to pray for this church. I personally ask you to pray for the teaching here at this church. Pray that the preachers would remain gospel preaching. Pray for the elders. Pray for Sam, for Phil and for Robert as they guard against false teaching in this church. And pray for each and every one of us that we would know the gospel, the gospel of grace, and proclaim it far and wide. Well, there's some things to chew on. Why not let me know what you think by sending an email? The details are in the show notes. But until next time, get on with praising God this week. Yeah.